Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Evan Lazar here, Patriots insider and host of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. As always, our content is powered by our exclusive wagering partners, BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth, and we are two sleeps away, two days away from the NFL Draft in about two days and two plus hours from now. The Jacksonville Jaguars will be on the clock with the first overall pick. This right now feels like one of the most uncertain non-consensus, whatever term you want to use, drafts, even right at the top. It's pretty remarkable when you start to think about all the different possibilities, all the different ways this could go. And at this point, nobody really has a general consensus. So the goal here tonight is to do a full first-round mock draft, meaning picks 1 through 32 for all 32 teams or 30 30 teams, right? I, the Rams don't have a right. first round pick, 31 teams, whatever it is. And uh, well, no, obviously, there's eight teams. There's eight teams that don't have first round picks. There's a bunch of teams. Okay. Good job, Evan. Way to be Although on top. We might, we, we might move back up with why there's one team. I think there's a really good chance they, they pay a lot to trade into the back into the first round. We'll yeah. Get well, we'll get to some trades. It, I think the biggest thing that you hear right now is not that teams aren't interested in trading, uh, trading, excuse me, but, more so that there's not that pull to trade up from teams as much as maybe there are in in different years, especially at the top of the draft because there's really no quarterback consensus that, oh, we absolutely have to trade up to get this quarterback. That's, uh, that, that's not necessarily happening this year. So I think the biggest thing that we have to look at is what's going to happen in picks one through 20. That's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to sit there and say, okay, what are we going to see at for the Patriots at 21? But most importantly, I also want to talk about some of the players at the top of the draft, Alex, that we haven't really been able to discuss here on the show a whole lot just because we've been so Patriot focused. So uh, that's going to be an exciting. I would also like to let it be known that I pitched doing all seven rounds, all 250, whatever picks and Evan said, no. So just, I want to put that out there. Yeah. All right. And Evan uh, said we'd be here until Thursday. Like that was a bad thing. I, I I don't know where his head's at. Oh my God. I, I'm glad we're Maybe not next year. That. All Maybe right. Maybe next year. Definitely let's next start, year. Let's get into this. We're going to pull up the PFF mock draft simulator. Shameless plug right there for our guys at PFF. 
and we're going to set our parameters. I believe Alex said you should take it away from here. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to set because we're doing all the picks, so none of this stuff matters. Um, That's all true. Teams selected. All right, let's do it. So the way that I read the Jacksonville situation is there's three different boards at play right now. There's the owner's board. There's Shaq Khan's board. He wants Aiden Hutchinson, right? I think that that's the safest pick. Yeah. I think that's the pick that he feels he can sell to the fan base the most. Then there's the general manager pick, which is Trayvon Walker. Trent Balky has an infatuation with edge defenders, with long arms, with great athleticism, great tools, like a guy like Trayvon Walker. Then there's head coach Doug Peterson's pick, which is Ikea Quenu from NC State. Three different guys all probably have an argument to be the number one overall pick. And at the end of the day, to decide who the number one pick is going to be, it comes down to which board wins at, who has the final say, who has full control of the draft board. And this is often what happens. You have head coach, you have owner, and you have GM all having somewhat of a say in this. And we get to the point now where who's, who has the final say? Who, who's the one that's controlling the board? Well, it's probably going to be Balky, right? Because that's if, the the owner, if the owner didn't trust him, he's getting he would have been let go this off season with the whole thing with right. um, Leftwich, right? Um, granted, I think his pick is the wrong pick. I think the Jaguars are idiots if they don't go tackle here. I think it's a horrible pick. I, I don't think Aiden Hutchinson's a 1-1 talent. I think Trayvon Walker's probably closer. I don't think either of them are the best defensive end in this draft, but Walker's probably closer. You just invested in Trevor Lawrence. He got right. the crap beat out of him last year. You can't let that happen again. And look, I like Evan Neal better than Aquanu. I think he's a more modern tackle. I think he moves better. I think there's some value in that. Trevor Lawrence has some mobility. You can move him around. You can play those two off each other. It would work. But Aquanu's a really good player too. Like if if you tell me, at, at that point in Evan, you've talked about this a lot. It's a taste draft, right? It's not yes. necessarily that one guy's de facto better than the other. It's what are you targeting? I like Evan Neal better. If they like Aquanu better, I could see that. Hutchinson, Walker, are not neither one of them is the best player at their position in this draft. Forget the best player in the draft. And yeah. I think they need a more impact position, which is a, a left tackle. A left tackle is an impact position, even if it's not a, a fantasy football position. Well, what I think is actually remarkable about this entire thing is Trayvon Walker had nine and a half career sacks at Georgia. And I know the big the big selling point on Trayvon Walker is that if you go and you watch Kirby Smart or some of their other defensive coaches on that Bulldog staff break down their tape, they'll talk about how gap control and pocket integrity and setting the edge and all these types of things are really important to them as a coaching staff. So you didn't see guys like Trayvon Walker. You didn't see guys like Devontae Wyatt, even when he was in at a three technique or something like that flying off the ball, penetrating gaps, making plays for themselves in the run and the pass game. In a lot of ways, Georgia runs their system just like the Patriots. And how many years have we always said Richard Seymour or uh, you know whoever it may be, oh, well, they don't get the stats because they're not asked to do it, right? That That's the big selling point on Trayvon Walker. The problem that I have with it is – if that's your selling point, then you, at the end of the day, are ultimately projecting that that player is going to become a double-digit sack guy, worthy of the first-round pick, 
strictly based on tools. And if you're picking yeah. that type of guy at like five or six, like if you're the Giants or you're the Panthers and you're taking Trayvon Walker there, I can totally sell myself on that. When I'm picking one, one, I got to see a little bit of production on the tape. I have to be able to see a little bit of a football player there that does produce at a high level. I think taking a guy strictly based off of upside and based off of tools, but the first overall pick in the draft is a tough sell. Now, the other issue that I think the Jaguars have is there is no consensus 1-1 quarterback in this draft. So in a normal draft, when you have Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback and you already have that box checked, the Jaguars would be trading out of this pick to a team that wants to draft a quarterback. So it's not a great year right. to have. They probably would have already ball. done it at this point. Right. It's not a great year to have the first overall pick. That That's the end yeah. of, of that point. So I think ultimately Trent Bulky wins out. I think he gets his guy in Trayvon Walker. And I think that that's the pick here. And I believe that Peterson and Khan will say to him, we're going to go with you. And if you're wrong about this, it's your job. Right. I mean, that's, that's ultimately well, what it comes down well, to. It's, it should have been his job last year, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. So I agree with you. So Trayvon Walker. And again, as, as most mock drafts are, this is what we think will happen. Not what we would do. I would take Evan Neal. Right. Evan, I think you said you'd take, who would you take here? If it's you. I would take the okay. So yeah. we both think this is a, and I, not that Trayvon Walker is a bad player, but we both think this is kind of a bad pick. All things yeah. considered. But it's yes. the pick. All right, Trayvon Walker. Um, this makes it awfully easy for the Detroit Lions, I think, at number two, because the, their whole organization is about being the blue collar, lunch pail, bring your hard hat, you know, that whole thing. I think Aiden Hutchinson just checks all of those boxes, right? I mean, I think they would be yeah. absolutely thrilled if the Jaguars go away from Aiden Hutchinson at number one. And Hutchinson for Dan Campbell is. That's what football is all about to Dan Campbell, right? Just yeah. hard worker, all the things. Like all the things that Dan Campbell wants that organization to represent, I think Aiden Hutchinson represents them. I, I have a tough time thinking that they're going to go in any other direction with this pick besides Aiden Hutchinson. Agree. I, again, I think it's, I still think the best defensive end is on the board. Two defensive ends have gone. I still yeah. think the best defensive end is on the board, but it's what we think will happen. Teams get Teams get dumb. Yes. Overthink things. Okay. So so here are the Texans. This could go in uh, multiple directions, right? I think that this one is pretty up in the air. As PFF puts it, they could draft at any position. I've never seen them do that before. It's so savage. Every position. If I'm putting on my Nick Casario crystal ball here, the pick for Casario in my mind would be Evan Neal. Yeah, the Alabama tie, the safest tackle pick in this draft. I think a guy like Aquenu has maybe some more athletic and physical upside than Evan Neal, but the smoothest, most pro-ready, easiest transition. I know a lot of people like corner at this spot too, and, and like Sauce, Amon Gardner going here. I, I don't know if I love the scheme fit for Ahmad Gardner in Lovey Smith's defense. So they are a cover two scheme predominantly. They run everything out of that foundation of cover two. I think you're putting him on Gardner in cover two. You're kind of wasting some of his talent, his length, his ability to play the deep part of the field gets kind of wasted playing down, right? Playing the flat or playing that cover two hole. So I look at this and I say that they would ideally 
and we'll see if this goes our, our this way for them uh, in our mock draft. Would like to get Evan Neal and Derek Stingley with their top two picks, and yeah. I don't think it's that crazy to think that they could do that. So I think they take Neal here and then try to cross their fingers that Derek Stingley makes it to them at thirteen. Well, I think Stingley. I, I I'm still not. Con- Vince, that every team is the Gardner Stingley thing, but that one of the corners make it to 13. Well, so I want to explain because I, I, if you're in agreement with Evan Neal at three to Houston, yeah. we can just make yeah. that pick and then we can. Okay. Okay. So now so we're this at. Is, the, this is a corner. To me, this is the. And I say this as a Patriots reporter and Patriots fans might not like to hear this, but the best matchup or best combination of scheme fit and talent is Ahmad Gardner to the New York Jets at four. A perfect player, a perfect corner for Robert Sala's scheme, right? They're going to run that Seattle three. It's three, it's four. It's a lot of the same things that they did in Seattle and in San Francisco. And the best player comp I've heard and what I see when I watch Ahmad Gardner is Richard Sherman which is the ideal corner to have in that kind of system. I think that they would be doing jumping jacks in the draft room at, uh, in New York and in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, if Amon Gardner is available at four and they can pair him in Robert Sala's scheme and just put that entire thing together. That to me would be the best marriage between scheme fit and prospect that we'd have in the top five of this draft. All right, look, I think it's the wrong pick, but it's also the Jets, and we're projecting, so I'm fine projecting well, I would, the Jets. If Robert Sala was running a man-heavy scheme, then I would say Derek Stingley would be a great pick for that type of defense. But he's running a zone-based scheme, and like I said, you're looking for more, what the Jets should be looking more for is length, ball skills down the field, that Richard Sherman skill set. And that's not Derek Stingley, right? That's that's Gardner. He's he fits that mold a lot more. So I like Amon Gardner here to the Jets. I think that's just a great. I think the Jets yeah. would be thrilled with that pick. All right, all right. You're you're not putting up much of a resistance yet, Alex. I, I it's pretty much chalk to this point. Again, like it, all your explanations make sense. Yeah. Even Gardner, like I again, I wouldn't take Gardner there. I think you could. So here's the thing, like, yeah, Houston. There's an argument to Tingley there, best player available, but you're right. Nick Casario wants his franchise tackle. It's the Nick Saban connection, all of that. It makes too much sense to not do it. You make sense there with the mod guard. Like, I'm, there's nothing to protest yet. Here's maybe where we start. Uh, no, it's the next pick is where we start. But this one, I, I this is a Quanu. They, they, their offensive line is horrible. Yeah. Aquanu. I think that not only is their offensive line horrible, but Aquanu getting to this point when we were just discussing him a few minutes ago as potentially the first overall pick in the draft is great right. value for the Giants too. I mean, I think that they look at this and say that we probably just got the best tack- tackle in terms of upside and just pure raw physical tools in the draft. Maybe not the safest. That's probably Neil. He's got the highest floor. It's kind of like the Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker argument, honestly, but at tackle, right? right? So. I think Aquanu here to the Giants is a really uh, solid pick for them. I think they'd be thrilled with that as well. Yep. Okay. This is where it gets interesting. So I've gone back and forth on this one. Yeah. I I am a big proponent of teams not taking quarterbacks in this draft. Be- and not in the first round. 
I yeah. think, and I look at, it's a model. The Patriots kind of used it. The Panthers, oddly enough, the Panthers used it, and I think used it well. They needed a quarterback in a year where there were no quarterbacks. Yeah. So what did they do? They made a mid-round investment. This So this goes back like 10 years here, 12 years. They made a mid-round investment in a quarterback who had like some sneaky upside, but was hardly a sure thing. And then if that guy pans out, you got your quarterback in the third round. If not, you move on. Yeah. And, and take the next guy. That quarterback was um, Jimmy Clausen. Didn't work out. But then, hey, that guy sucks. So now you have a high pick again. And then they took Cam Newton and it worked. Right. I think that's the approach a lot of these teams should take. I think that's the approach Seattle should take. I think that's the approach that New Orleans should take. I think that's the approach. Um, I got to remember off top, kind of Pittsburgh, not really. Pittsburgh sort of its own thing. Um, but yeah. I think that's the approach a lot of the quarterback needy teams in this in this draft should take. You could put Minnesota in there if you want. But here's the difference with Carolina. I don't know that the coaching staff in the front office has a year to buy. No. I don't know if you can sell that to ownership. So they're kind of backed into a corner, right? Like I, if it, on the surface, like if this is me and Madden, as, as like a super lame example, but like if this is me and Madden, I'm just taking a really good player here. Yeah. And then, or I'm moving back, adding a future pick in the next year. Hopefully it's a better quarterback class. I move up. Right. And then I get my guy, right? Again, I don't know that Matt Rule has the time to do that. This might be a make or break year for Matt Rule. And does he want to go to the mat with Sam Darnold? Does he want to go to the mat with Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, right? I mean, I, I think, think it would be Malik Willis. Malik Willis. What's the difference between Kenny Pickett and Sam Darnold? Really? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Well, they have, they're very, very similar players. I think Malik Willis would be interesting in that offense. They do run a little bit more of like a college style scheme, right? Obviously Matt rule yeah. has the college background. So they do run a little bit more of an open spread style scheme. I think that they could implement some things in there that would help with Malik Willis's legs and, and other things that they did last year towards the end with Cam Newton that obviously you would have now with Malik Willis. The problem that I see for them with taking Malik Willis is they still can't protect him for, for nothing. Like they still don't have any offensive linemen. I, I don't know if Charles Cross here is the best pick or the best use of that asset, maybe trading out of this and eventually getting to the point where you can get Charles Cross to upgrade the offensive line would be a little bit better. I hear you on the quarterback though. At some point you got to take a chance on a quarterback at the top of the draft. If you're Carolina, you can't keep doing this dance. I don't know if this is the year that I want right. to take the chance, but I, I also think that there, I, I don't know who's calling on this trade, but we want to see. So, so again, let me just say, like, I, I don't like the quarterback here either, but I, you have to give it. We're, oh, we lost Evan. I'll keep going. Um, I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that baseball is back and the start of the Major League Baseball season is finally here. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. I, I think. 
you have to give it a shot. Did we lose Devin or did we lose me? No, it's still me. Um, I, I, I think you have to give it a shot with the quarterback because if not, and you draft a tackle and Sam Darnold comes out and throws 20, 25 interceptions, whatever it may be, you're going to lose your job. I want to wait for Evan to come back to look at these trades. We'll see if he texts me if he is coming back. Well, let's see who's here. Okay, so Seattle wants to move up a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe, probably not. The Jets want to move up. I don't think so. Houston, maybe. So the team I really like to move up here, where is Evan? Yes, my show now. Uh, the team I really like to move up here is one of these. To move up and get a corner. I will say, if I pull up the draft chart, do we have Evan back? I'm back. I don't know. Booed me out for some reason. So, we're looking at the, the charts here, the trades. Yes. So, Seattle's calling. So, I, I don't think Seattle's drafting quarterback. I really don't. No. Pete Carroll has the job security. They do have a year of Drew Locke. Yeah. I, they have two. I think they're a smart enough front office and a patient enough front office that they don't have to do this. Yeah, I agree. Right. But at the same time, they're like 300 points off. They have these two second round picks bunched here. Like, this could make sense. I don't really know who Seattle's moving up for. Maybe no. Cross? Yeah, maybe Cross. I mean, I, I, I think that if you sit here, if you're Seattle, the Giants already got their tackle, so they're probably going best player available at seven at this point, and we can get to that, but I think it might be in a second. Atlanta, I don't think you're taking a tackle, right? I think that they're probably looking defense with the Falcons. Yeah, they're, they're, kind of best, they're kind of best player available. You don't think so? They could take a tackle, I, I suppose. I don't know. I, I just, I think if you're Seattle, if Carolina is not taking Cross here at six, then I think you feel pretty good about him getting to you at nine. But so, I'll show you. I just one don't know where Carolina's going with this pick unless they're trading it out. So I'll show you one interesting pick here. They didn't call. Do we want to limit it to teams that are calling? Sure. Okay, then then never mind. All right. All right. So then they just got to make this pick. They got to make this pick. And I, I think it has to be a quarterback. I think Matt Rule has to save his job. Okay. So I, I it's definitely between quarterback and tackle. They've talked a lot about offensive line too and improving the offensive line. That's a big goal for them. But I, I can see the quarterback too. So uh, it's a little high for any of these QBs. Pittsburgh is going to be pissed if they take Malik Willis and they don't. We, they don't we talked it. about this last year. Quarterbacks go by their own. There's really two boards. There's the quarterback board and there's everybody else. Right. You're going to take a quarterback when you're going to take a quarterback. The rest of the board doesn't necessarily dictate it. Right. It's this is a quarterback pick for us. And he's the top quarterback on the board. Like I actually, this is really interesting in the CFL. They actually have two drafts. They have one draft. that's just quarterbacks. And then they do the rest of the picks because quarterbacks and, and in that league, quarterbacks kind of different because you're limited to the number of non-Canadian players you can have, and the yeah. top quarterbacks are all non-Canadians. It's a whole thing. Anyway, it really changes the way teams approach the draft. It really does. And so this is where it's early in theory for Malik Willis compared to the big board, but quarterbacks are on their own board. They're not no, – ranking them in between the other players is kind of a fool's errand. All right. All right. Uh, I'm with you. Okay. All right, uh, so here's okay. So here's where I'm going to start to take over. I look at the New York Giants, right? We're talking about quarterbacks. The Giants, are you are you frozen or are your eyes shut at me? And we lost Evan again. He's frozen. Okay, um, get better Wi-Fi. So I'm just going to take over here. Then the Giants they already made their first round pick. 
They got a potential first overall pick in Aquan, who some people think he might be. They're feeling pretty good. And they look at their quarterback situation, realize that their quarterback okay. sucks. Oh, is Evan back? Oh, he texted me. His computer's bugging out. Figure it out. Um, anyway, they realize their quarterback sucks. It's a new coaching staff. They've got some, some it's not like the Panthers where, where, you know, Matt rules drafting for his job and they say, we might need a new quarterback. Daniel Jones contracts almost up. He's not very good. Um, but there's no quarterback to take. As we just discussed, they're releasing really a great quarterback in this draft. So they're going to look to add that, that trade's not happening. They're going to look to add some future draft assets or at least spread out their draft wealth, right? If that makes sense. And so where I go from here, unfortunately, none of these teams that are calling really can offer the Giants what they want in terms of future draft assets. Washington, they know they're going to need a quarterback. They're not going to move one. Baltimore, they're kind of on the fringe. That first round pick next year could be valuable. What did Evan text me? He's working on it. Um, and then you're just getting two down. You don't want to move that far down the board. Meanwhile, you have the New Orleans Saints, who, remember, made that trade with the Eagles to pick up the extra first-round pick. The Saints, I think, want to move up. And that's kind of the speculation. When they made that deal, they're going to move up from a tackle or they're going to move up for a quarterback, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Matt Arise here. That's where this is all going. So I'm just pulling this up here because I have the trade chart to my side. I think this is where – so the other team that could do this is the Eagles, but the Eagles and Giants aren't trading. I think this is where the Saints strike. And this is about even on the trade chart. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Um, but that's about right. I want to wait for Evan to come back to make the trade. I guess it's not happening. All right, whatever. This is the trade. Uh, the Saints are going to move up. They lost Toron Armstead. They need a tackle. And this is why they got the two picks. This is why they made that trade with the Eagles. The Giants are not done trading. They might be back. But now they have a shot at three first-round picks instead of two in a draft that is very deep beyond the top 15. And the new coaching staff, the new GM there, everybody, they're going to get a chance to really rework this roster and retool this roster. So okay, right. did you hear any of that? No computer issues. Sorry, everybody. Okay. I don't know. So to sum it up very quickly, the Saints traded with the ETH extra first-round pick because they want to move up. Right. The Giants want future assets because they, they're going to need a quarterback next year because Daniel Jones sucks. But they yeah. can't get the future assets they want right now, so they're going to move back and then maybe make another trade later. Agree? Okay. I, yeah, I could definitely hear that rationale. The one thing I, I thought about with the Giants at this spot, it, you just got Brian Dable in the building. You're thinking offense, right? You're thinking you're going to score yeah. points. Jamison Williams, I think, becomes a conversation here at seven to the Giants. They – just got there, that regime, right? The the head coach GM right. could not be safer. They don't necessarily need a guy to come in and make a week one splash for them to save their jobs or anything like that. Jamison Williams, you put him in Brian Dable's offense, that gives them all the tools. There's no excuses at that point if Daniel Jones can't produce. He's got his big-time receiver. He's got a QB whisperer of an offensive coach. If he doesn't succeed at that point, then you obviously know that you probably know already that you're moving on. But if they can't get anything out of him, then then I think you're really moving on. But I do like the idea of trading. I, I just wonder, we just took the quarterback, right? So are the right. Saints, what are the Saints moving up to get here? Tackle. You think they give up all these picks to come up for a tackle? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. 
All right. I who's he protecting? I mean, Jameis. Well, again, it but, but here's the thing. So Dennis Allen was just hired, right? He has the job security. He can build right. the rest of the roster this year, and then next year he goes and gets the quarterback, right? Yeah, it's fair. I just think they, they don't have a future first round pick in 2023. And these two first round picks that they have this year are it for two years. I, I don't know. I if I'm the same. So I'm do you think they made that, that trade to sit where they are? No, you're probably right, but I, I think that they might be. It's a good question. Uh, my read on it is that they would they might be thinking quarterback to move up for a quarterback, but we just took the quarterback, so I I don't and, know. And, right there, why would they move up? There any quarterback at this point they can get at sixteen. Right. Agreed. So maybe they feel like they're looking at this similar to how the Patriots did last year, which Kenny Pickett's their guy. They really liked Mac Jones coming out. It's, I don't love the Mac Jones to Kenny Pickett comp, but there are some similarities to their games. And you feel the Patriots got Mac Jones at 15. They have 16. Yeah. So maybe they feel like they can get Kenny Pickett at 16. All right. So let's, let's look at other trades then. Um, they're not trading with Washington probably no. in the division. Baltimore can both like, I think they want future assets. So like, is this, is this a deal? I could see Baltimore at this point, I could see Baltimore moving up for a wide receiver like a Jamison Williams, because they got to help Lamar Jackson maximize his throwing ability and the passing game in general, as much as they possibly can. And if they don't, I know they took a wide receiver last year too in the first round they, they took Bateman in the first round that was towards yeah. the end of the first round I think in order to get the most out of Lamar Jackson as a thrower and, and get the most out of their passing offense they need to keep throwing assets at that receiver position because they haven't drafted receiver well either the Patriots always get dragged for their receiver drafting ability Baltimore last couple of years has struggled to, to find receivers as well you know Miles Boykin, uh, Bateman was hurt his entire rookie year for the most part. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown has been a okay, right? Better than Nikhil yeah. Harry, but certainly not great. So I could definitely see them trying to get aggressive here to come up for a receiver as well, thinking that the Jets will probably go receiver uh, with their second pick, and we want to get our guy here. All right, so this is this is uh, the trade on the trade chart, two firsts and a fourth. So the other question – the last just to play devil's advocate with Baltimore, but we, we're hanging yeah. on to these picks, so we got to get moving. Uh, their typical MO in the draft is to hit doubles, not homers, right? Like they're one of those teams that's usually pretty set on we're just going to get it right. We're not necessarily going to hit the highest ceiling. Right. Uh, we're not going to hit a home run, uh, but we're going to get on base with every pick that we make early in the draft. So then it's probably not Jameson Williams, then it's probably Garrett Wilson. Yeah, maybe it's Garrett Wilson. Who's a better fit for them anyway. Yeah, so I, I could I, – any direction that they go here with this pick, I think, is to move up the draft a wide receiver to help out. All right, I, I'm just forcing it because I this is right on the trade chart. All right. Um. So we take Garrett Wilson here or are we taking Jameson here? Garrett Wilson, based on what you said. Fair enough. Yeah. That, unless, that, I mean, they like big receivers, unless Drake London. I know you don't like him, but they might like Drake London better. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Drake London in general. I just don't think that I would take him if I was Bill Belichick, just because of some of his shortcomings. Well, no, you're, you're not Bill Belichick right now. You're Baltimore. Drake London, Garrett Wilson. Who's a double? Which one's a better double? I would say Garrett Wilson. I think they, they need to be able 
to create separation at that receiver yeah. position. I get the contested catch and the catch radius could be helpful too. In some degree, you can make that argument, but I think Garrett Wilson is the best uh, option here. I, I think him and Olave are getting almost underrated at this point. In this I would process. agree. Yeah. All right. So there's that. We've made our first trade. Uh, this is best player available. I think this is Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. If they get Kayvon Thibodeau at eight, that's incredible. I mean, that's an incredible pick. That That's a home run. Absolutely. They had no pass rush last year. He's just, If he stays healthy, he's the best defensive end in this draft. Yeah. All right. We made that one quick. Okay. Here's my hot take, and I love this. This is Jamison Williams. Seattle's going to take Jamison Williams. Again, they don't need the quarterback. They don't need to push it. Pete Carroll is job security. If they take Jamison Williams with the idea that they're going to take the QB next year, right? you have a rookie quarterback coming into a situation where he's throwing a DK Metcalf and Jamison Williams. Yeah, Talk about setting the kid up to succeed. And you talked about Baltimore wants the doubles. Seattle's, this is how they draft. Go big or go home. Right. That's Jamison Williams. So I think this is Jamison Williams. You have heard some Derek Stingley buzz there. I think that they feel that they're changing a little bit of how they play defense and they're not going to prioritize as much length and stuff like that that they were getting a lot later on in the draft when they were drafting Sherman and all those guys, Byron Maxwell, you know. uh, They were getting those guys a lot later because of the way that they were prioritizing corner. So you've heard some Derek Stingley things there. Charles Cross certainly makes some sense for them too because they always need tackle help. They're always a mess on the offensive line. But if you're just going for the biggest bite here possible, then yeah, I could I could get sold on Jamison Williams at that point too. I think I love Jamison Williams in this spot. I really do. I really do. All right. So. Let's take him. All right. And here, I mean, I this is – so they already took Gardner. Actually, let's see who's calling. Um, nah, Chiefs aren't trading up this high. No, if the Chiefs were going to trade up, I think it would have been for Jamison Williams anyways. So if yeah. they're not going to be able to trade up high enough to get Jamison Williams, th- this one to me screams Drake London. Uh, yeah, it's I think Drake London. His yak ability, his physicality on the outside, it's a good fit. Zach Wilson can throw him deep balls all day long and have him jump up above the defense and make catches down the field. I think Drake London fits a lot what that offense does. He's not as explosive as Debo Samuel is, but they can use him in some of those gadget type of roles as well as a ball carrier. So this one seems pretty easy. And if I'm the Jets, at least on paper, Amon Gardner and Drake London are great fits for what you're trying to do. Yep. You know, that, that's a really home run draft there for them. All right, Washington. Well, you sunk all this into Carson Wentz. Yes. Feels like you got to help him. It feels like Charles Cross is the pick here. Yeah, they could go Charles Cross. Uh, PFF doesn't list a tackle as a need for them, but I think you can definitely talk yourself into anything on the offensive line for Washington. So the thing is, like, yeah, Sam Cosme is their starting tackle. They took in the second round last year, and he was good last year. But there's some speculation that he'd be better at a guard. Yes. So if you take Cross, you can move Cosme inside. Or they just go Stingley. Or at this point, Stingley's fallen too far, and they take him. Yeah. It might be Um, that. At this, I don't know. I think that Houston would love to come away with Stingley at 13. So I, I don't know if Washington, if it's worth it to Washington to move back two spots. And, I, you know, Minnesota, they just took Darisau last year. They're not going to take a tackle here. So right. I, I could see them trying to pull off a trade here uh, at this pick, maybe 
move back a couple spots, still get their guy, uh, that sort of thing. I, I think Nick Casario would love to have Derek Stingley and Evan Neal as his package in the first so round here. The only problem is Washington doesn't have a third. So they have to like seriously overpay to do this. It'd be that. Well, why is Washington giving up another pick to move down? No, Washington's moving up. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yes. So it would be Houston needs to give up the third. So it would be that. It'd be that. Yeah. For Derek Stingley, I think it's worth it. Personally. I think it's worth it. All right. All right. I, this thing's being weird. All right. There's Derek Stingley. Yeah. Uh, this, I think, is Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. He's like... very similar to Harrison Smith, yeah. who's probably on his way out. Yeah. Harrison Smith. Good comp there. Yeah. A lot of people can say another Notre Dame guy. Kyle Hamilton, at least a top five player in this draft, if not better, right? Just in, in terms yeah. of pure talent. But you have the issues with safeties and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't run as fast as you would want him to run to be a real impact safety. Yeah, I think Minnesota would love to come away with Kyle Hamilton here. He's not a corner. He still makes their secondary better as a whole. And I, I still think that Harrison Smith and Kyle Hamilton couldn't play together until Harrison Smith calls it a career. So, yep. good transition there. All right. And then we talked about they traded down. They're going to take Charles Cross here. Yeah, Charles Cross at 13 is – we probably let Charles Cross slip a little bit too far. I, I think yeah. some team is going to take him in the top 10. But, yeah, 13 is a steal for Charles Cross. Great pick for that. Okay. I'm going to pitch something here. Okay. Evan, and you tell me if I'm going too far. Uh, you know what? I can wait on this. I, I have this theory. Okay. I think I can wait a little further. So do the Giants make this pick, or do they keep trying to add future assets? Who did we take with them? We took Aquanu. Their took defensive Aquanu. line was pretty bad. I could see Carl Loftus here. Yeah. Or, Wyatt, or Jordan Davis. The general feeling on Carl Loftus is he's – cooled off a little bit. I put it that way, right? Yeah. Like his stock has cooled off a little bit. I think that when you look at him, he wins in one way and one way only. He's a power edge rusher. He's a speed to power bull rush type of guy. Doesn't have a lot of flexibility in his hips. He doesn't have a lot of lateral ability. So he's not, doesn't have a whole package of moves. It's pretty much you, you see what you get with him. I, I don't know exactly what kind of scheme they're going to be running defensively. I think the best player on the board right now to me is Jordan Davis. I, I don't think it's really, I love really it. close. And I, I think that that's a really good just BPA talent grab that still helps. Like they still do yep. front seven help. And I think he makes everything easier for everybody else. And they still, they added a future asset. So yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I like that. Let's go Jordan Davis here. All right. Now I'm going to pitch this. Cause I don't think I can get much past this. Okay. Uh, the, they have plenty of, Picks, they got future picks, but they might need a quarterback next year. They want to keep adding. Yes. Meanwhile, what's what's all the rage in team building right now, Evan, in the NFL? What is the one thing? Patriots fans want to do this. Teams have done it. What's the big rage right now when it comes to building an offense? Trade up for a wide receiver? Is that where we're going? But like, yeah, but like specifically, what kinds of wide receivers? Wide receivers that played with their quarterbacks? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Wide receivers that played with their college quarterbacks. Yes. So there's a team that has a young quarterback with absolutely no weapons. And Go they're going to gonna try to help him out. Yeah. So here come the Chicago Bears. This is a good I, one. I, I have this one on the this. trade chart. 
they're going to pay way too much and yeah. they're not going to care to move up and reunite Justin Fields with Chris Olave. Who, the by Eagles the way, get- had a much better season last year or two years ago with yeah. Justin Fields than he did last year. Chris Olave and Justin Fields were dynamite in 2020 yeah. at Ohio State. Yeah. The Eagles still have a first round pick. Yep. They will now have three first next year. Got a ton of room to move around. And the the, the Bears move up and get their guy. Got to overpay because we all Olave is going at sixteen, right? Right. If if the Saints if if they don't do this, so this is and there's a lot of teams trying to move up here. I, I they're borrowing. They're they're going to keep borrowing from the future. I yes. think this trade makes a ton of sense. I'm with you. I like it. I'm sorry. I was I was super proud of myself for putting that one to get like putting all that two and two together. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you think I'm being a mad scientist, but I, I love this one. No, I I mean, it's definitely a far trade up. They're going to have to give up a lot to do it, but it makes all the sense in the world why they would want to do it, right? It's just yeah. a matter of if Philadelphia, they can convince Philadelphia to go for it or not. All right. And the thing's having that. so much trouble even processing it. Okay. So now it's the Saints. Yes. We Saints talked about do, maybe move up. The Saints do some weird things in the draft, right? Like Marcus Davenport. You know, they, right. they they kind of beat to their own drum. They could be a wide receiver destination. I think tackle here is too early, but Trevor Penning at this spot, like I just said, they draft guys like Davenport in the top 20 who are smaller school guys that have tremendous athletic upside and tools yep. at their disposal, and they count on their coaching. Now, Sean Payton's not there anymore, but they're still one of the best – draft and develop programs in the entire national football league. They need to help so, out the quarterback, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Jameis or it's a quarterback they get next year, they need to help out the quarterback. But we did just also pitch Kenny Pickett to them at this spot. If they want to wait there. I'll give you one more. George Karloftis has some, um, Trey Hendrickson in his game. He does a little bit. I can see. Yeah. I, I honestly think this is penning. Yeah. I can see it. Or too. actually, no, because the Chargers and in, in Eagles aren't taking Penning. The Chargers might take Penning. You were like so adamantly against the Chargers taking a tackle the other day. I was, but now that I think did did some more thinking on that one. He could play right tackle. Right? He's not gonna like Slater's their left tackle. You're not gonna move right. Slater. But they he could they could play him at right tackle. Their right right tackle last year, Storm Norton, was an absolute turnstile. Like one of the worst starting yeah. right tackles in the National Football League last year. I, I could see them wanting to have bookend tackles, especially because guys like you know Jordan Davis is off the board. I think the Chargers would look at Chris Olave and see Keenan Allen, young version of Keenan Allen. He's off the board. So at this point, I could see them gravitating towards that a little bit. The Saints are such a smart organization too that I, I don't think that they would go – quarterback and reach on a quarterback i don't think they would go wide receiver and reach on a wide receiver here like i think that they would be smart about it and take the tackle it's just the way that i view them as an organization and like i said they continuously take chances on some of these smaller school guys that test well they're very big on the combine athletic testing the pre-draft process and trevor penning checked all of those boxes so i, I like penning here all right and they also just lost Armstead too, right? To yeah, Miami. yeah. So, yeah, I like Penning here. All right, Trevor Penning. Um, I'm gonna pay the trade here. Okay. Um, 
It is. Well, you know what? No, we said we were only going to do teams that are calling. So I think this could be McDuffie. I think yeah. this is McDuffie or Wyatt, probably. Yeah, Wyatt's stock for some reason has been sliding a little bit. A lot of reports out there that he might fall out of the first round. I'm not exactly sure what that's all about. It's got nothing to do with what the chat was talking about earlier, who's Adam Anderson, not Devontae Wyatt. I, I don't know what's going on with Devontae Wyatt's stock. Uh, this is a tough spot for the Chargers because nobody really fell to them here, right? Like they didn't get right. you know, they didn't get anybody that, that they might want. I I could see McDuffie being a pick here. It's that type of system. I mean, I think they would prefer defensive linemen if they could. Uh, I think that would be ideal, an interior defensive lineman, but Davis is gone. So it's got to be either Wyatt here or McDuffie if they're going to make the pick, I think. Well, so the Cardinals are calling, and they could definitely use a corner. Yeah. I'm trying to see. Yeah, okay. So that they have a lot of sense from a scheme perspective. I think Trent McDuffie, Buda Baker, like those kinds of players are kind of the Cardinals jam at corner, right? I mean, that's sort of yep. what they do. So I could see them try to come up here for, for a guy like McDuffie if they don't think he's going to make it much further. So a one to three in a future three gets it done. Yeah. Move up five spots, six spots. Yeah. I mean, if the Cardinals, I think the biggest problem for the Cardinals is you're just trying to make Kyler Murray happy. I don't know if a corner necessarily makes Kyler Murray happy, but whatever. Right? What, but what mean, more can they add on offense to make him happy? The only other thing they could have gotten there is waited at 23 and taken Linderbaum, right? Like that's, that's yeah. pretty much it, but I hear you. All right. Eagles here at 18. This is Devin Lloyd. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. Definitely they need, they just, sense. they have no linebackers. They have like no NFL linebackers on their roster. Yeah. I'm with you. So we already picked Penning with the saints. I am going to pitch a trade here. Yeah. Oh, I actually really like this. I really like Jerry wants to move up. He's desperate to move up. Jerry always wants up. The Saints know that they might need a quarterback next year. They're going to try to get some of those future assets. Right. So they're actually going to – let me look this real quick. Everybody making fun of me for trading too much. Like, this is how the draft works. So, yeah. So this – so they're going to get a future second here. So now they have two twos next year to maybe move up if they need a quarterback, right? And they still get to pick in the first round. Or they could just straight up move out, actually. This might make more sense. A second this year and a first next year. They do need to get as many assets as they possibly can. We didn't take Kenny Pickett at 16. Like, if they're going to take a quarterback, then they would have taken him at 16, right? They're not going to wait to take him at 19. I could definitely see them electing Kenny Pickett. Again, I I don't think it's a perfect one-for-one comparison with Mac Jones, but they reportedly loved Mac last year and and tried to leapfrog the Patriots to get Mac Jones. They could could right. I could definitely see them talking themselves into Pickett, but I it wouldn't make any sense based on the way we've drafted so far for them to take the quarterback right. now. So I think they trade down, they trade out, they get the future because Jerry Jones he doesn't think this far ahead. He's fine giving up a future first. Yeah, no, Jerry wants to move up. He wants to make a splash. That's for sure. Right. Well, so hang on. Here's who, man. Wait, well, you got to put 24 in there, right? No, I was saying they 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 just move, move out of the first round altogether, the oh. Saints, to get the future first. So this would be okay. the other one. I hear you. Would be a first and a future second. 
Okay, so they we're, they're, we're picking again. Anyway, you're going to hate this, but here's why they did this. There's few things Jerry Jones can resist more than good college football players from Texas. His team needs an offensive lineman. They moved up to get K. I think they. I think there's a real chance they would do this. Like if the Patriots trade back, we're not there yet. I think Jerry to get Kenyon Green. I really do. I really do. Oh, giving up all that to move up for a guard. That's rough. I mean, Jerry I, Jones loves. I don't give Jerry a lot of credit most of the time, but that's a rough move. The other move. So I the only other one, here, just knowing how Jerry Jones thinks. I, I hope we're on the same page here. What are you going to say? Would be Traylon Burks. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking. Okay. I can buy it. I just want to make Arkansas, a very Jerry Jones pick. Jerry Jones in Arkansas, right? Uh, right. It's where he went to school. Yeah. They just traded Amari Cooper. They want to make a splash. Guard is not a splash, right? It's just not a splash. Well, he's from Texas. What makes it a splash? He's getting a Texas boy. Good That's agree, what he yeah. does. I think Traylon Burks and CeeDee Lamb together give them maybe the most versatile duo like not necessarily the best duo but like in terms of being able to line up all over the formation being able to carry the football i mean that's a lot of versatility and then you add Dak being able to run it too it's that's a a ton to think about when you're game planning against them they got to get a wide receiver i think after trading amari cooper that's just the way that these other teams think it's not the way the patriots and bill belichick think but cooper out first round wide receiver in that I think is a very Jerry Jones type of move. All right. I can see Traylon Burks. Yeah. Let's do Traylon Burks. So here's the interesting one here with the Steelers. Kevin Colbert has basically said he's hanging it up yeah. after this. Draft. He wants to leave them with the, this is Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I believe it's Kenny Pickett too. I think ideally they would like Malik Willis, obviously, but I think right. here is Kenny Pickett. I also would say that Mike Tomlin his future in Pittsburgh, even though he hates to talk about it, if they don't start to turn this around here a little bit, I, I don't know how much longer he lasts. There either, so. The Steelers don't fire coaches, though. That's their whole thing, remember? They don't. That, but he, he, I don't know if they fire him, but he might, you know. Okay. Mutually part I, It's, it's Kenny Pickett. Kid, Pittsburgh kid plays, stays in Pittsburgh. Makes a yep. lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Kenny Pickett. All right. Here we are. This is exactly how I see this playing out. Like, exactly. Yeah. Where yeah, none of the fun names left. None of the fun names are left. What do you do if you're Bill Belichick? There is a team. And we've calling. only got one team calling. It's the Buccaneers. I, I I still would take the trade down, right? Like I'd still do it just to get the pick because none of these guys here at 21 make much sense. Like I I don't know where you're gonna go with this. I'm the biggest Andrew Booth Jr. fan there is. I just don't love it here uh, at this point in the draft with the some of the things the scheme fit. Uh, just. I don't know. I don't think I, when I say I don't love it, I mean, I don't think they will do it. Right. I don't think Andrew Booth is their guy. Clemson, 15 games of tape injuries. Like, I just don't think he's their guy at this point. Probably the guys I would think that they were a target would be three, one of three guys, Dax Hill, obviously from Michigan, Kyler Gordon from UW and maybe Quay Walker from Georgia at this point. Well, so somebody did point out, we actually didn't take him. Jermaine Johnson's still here. That's interesting how we how we made it here without taking him, right? Yeah. I guess the Eagles probably. I'm trying to think, where did we miss? I think maybe the Eagles, instead of Devin Lloyd, could have potentially take, taken Jermaine Johnson. 
but it's amazing how let, let's say we we 18 the eagles take jermaine johnson devin lloyd that, yeah. that's how easy it is for one of these guys to fall right like that's how easy it is for right. a guy like jermaine johnson to fall i think he's a great fit we should no we should take him with the chargers at seven that's what it was yeah they traded out right yeah so yeah. maybe the chargers still get him they the chargers have what 23 we know the Packers are probably going to go receiver here. Wouldn't the think. Patriots probably take him at this point, though? I would think the Patriots would take him. If we're going to just go off of this is what happened and we have to take the best player for the Patriots here, Jermaine Johnson, I think probably the best run defender in the entire draft just from a fundamental standpoint, sets the edge, sees it very well, uh, really, really good run defender in every sense of the word. He doesn't have the cornering ability or like the turn the edge type of pass rush that people covet in the top 10. So I, I could see him falling into the teens for that reason, right? I, I don't think right. he's as fluid, as loose, as bursty and bendy of an edge rusher as what teams would prefer higher on in the draft. I never would imagine a situation where Jermaine Johnson ends up here. I think maybe we, we botched a pick here or two to get him here, but yeah. Based off the way this is gone, we have to take Jermaine Johnson, I, I would say, uh, or trade out. I, I still think trade out is a possibility here, and they could view it that way too. So it would be a first, a third, or third. They might rather do that. This draft is yeah. so deep on the edge. Yeah. I might rather do it, quite frankly. I like Jermaine Johnson. Yeah, I'm a lot, with you. But we're going to piss people off. But Right. I mean, obviously, I think you think, oh, well, he can start next next to Matthew Judon week one, right? On the opposite side of Matthew Judon right. starts start at edge defender for the Patriots. But we've also seen in the past, and I know these guys are more day two guys, it takes a second to get to that spot for the Pats, right? Uche, Winovich, Perkins, right. Jennings, like all these guys struggle to play early on. So I don't know if they would throw a rookie edge setter out there week one. And you know what? He's such a good run star, but I think, right. Like if he's here, he's such a bill guy. Yeah, he is. I could see right. it. I could Let's see take it. Him. We, we let him slide. We should probably right. stop the slide now. Yeah. Packers. This is uh, Jahan Dotson. The Jahan Dotson, or do they reach on somebody else? Who, like Christian Watson? Yeah. I could, see them, I could see them reaching on Christian Watson, not George Pickens. He's He might not even go in the second round now. Uh, Christian Watson... They like that type of receiver, like Adams, uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. Like they like a bigger receiver. They they don't typically go with the smaller guys. Yeah, I, I could see them reaching on Christian Watson here. That regime is like you say, you know, said about some other teams, really solid, right? They're they're not right. going anywhere. They need to get Aaron Rodgers the wide receiver. They they need well they, they need to get him a wide receiver. Point blank. They can also probably wait then to twenty because remember they have twenty eight too. So maybe they so maybe they go with like best player available here instead, right? Because they can well so yeah, I would think Wyatt probably. Yeah, the only qu question that I would have about it, uh, where Kansas City is at what twenty? They're after them, right? They're twenty nine yeah, or something. Yeah, like yeah, they're the two picks after. They could trade up. Right? I think Kansas City is a team that would would take Christian Watson in the first round. He's very much like the Patrick Mahomes of wide receivers, right? Like that's true. A chance the Chiefs, I think, would definitely take. So I think if you're the Packers, you do worry a little bit about Kansas City 
jumping you at that point. This is a tough one for Green Bay because they, I, I don't think that they, they, I think they have to go receiver to make make Rodgers happy. I think if you take a defensive lineman, he's going to be pissed. Right, so, they have two picks. They do. All right. <laughs> Excuse I, me. Sorry. I can go. I, I don't think it's Wyatt. I don't think they'll take Wyatt. They could Dorsey, take an offensive lineman too. Their offensive line did get kind of banged up late last year. Yeah, but I, if they're going to take an offensive lineman, then maybe it's like Zion Johnson. I think they, if they take an offensive lineman, I don't think it will be Raymond. Like I think they have to take a guy that's going to play plug and play, right? It, Who's it, their it, center right now? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. They could take Linderbaum. He's probably the best pure player. Karloftis though is a little bit Rashawn Gary like. Like they, they're we just said they have to take an offensive player to keep Rodgers happy. Yeah, I don't know. If, does do you think a center keeps Rodgers happy? I don't know. He might. So the centers on their roster right now are Jason Hansen, Michael Mennett, and Josh Myers. Yeah, the, I, I think Myers started for them last year, if I remember correctly. So Yeah, they took him in the second round last year, yeah. so Probably not a center. So I think it's either – I think it might be Christian Watson. I honestly do. All right. We're getting really it's, weird now, but I love really it. All right. Viable. It's not like that weird though, right? Because you're you're giving him to teams that have histories of taking these types of players and developing them. Like he's either going to Kansas City or Green Bay in the first round, I think. Yeah. So right. Christian Watson. This one this one here is Wyatt. They need a run stopper. Yeah, I could see them taking Wyatt. Yep. The way that this is right. broken, at least. I know there's a lot of buzz out there that Wyatt's not going round one, but we'll see. Saints are back on the board. They already took a tackle. I still like Karloftis for them. Yeah, they, they get a steal here with Karloftis. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind it either. Cam Jordan also getting up there. So, right. yeah, they could be looking to move on there. The Bills oh. need a corner. I could see them liking Booth better than Elam. Yeah, definitely. I think that the way that they run, mostly zone-based, I would say. Andrew Booth Jr., mostly a zone-based corner. They love to take chances or their draft profile is very athletic, very explosive yep. players, you know, Allen and Oliver, uh, that type. Yeah. So I, I'm sold on them like Andrew, but the only other option here, I know Bill's Twitter is talking a lot about running backs and a guy like Brees Hall. You know what? Let's, let's, let's no, Cause we gotta, we gotta take some of these guys in the first round. I agree with you. Booth. Booth. Um, this one finally is a guard. I think actually it might be Linderbaum. It yeah, might be I think they can get Linderbaum here. They would be ecstatic. He's he might be the best lineman in, in the draft, period. Like he's a center, so he yeah. falls. But just in terms of tape and, and everything that you look at, uh he, he might be the best offensive lineman in the entire draft. And they're getting here right, right. at twenty six. Uh the Bucks guard. So Zion this is down. This is uh you think Zion Johnson's better than Kenyon Green? Like Zion Johnson? I personally don't, but I, I think a lot of teams will have him ahead of okay. him. Uh, I think that the polished he's he's a finished skill set, right? He's a finished product for the most part. Uh, I think that it could go either way, but I, I think they take Zion Johnson. All right, Zion Johnson. I think here we already took the wide receiver with the Packers, Christian Watson. Yes. David Bakhtiari's up there, he's coming off a serious injury. I could see this being Raymond. Yeah. Yeah, they have I, I a year to work with him. Right, he is twenty five, and Rodgers is getting up there, so maybe they just play him right away. Like he, I know he's only played That's eighteen true. games, but they also like to move the pocket a lot. They're an outside zone team too, and he's an athletic guy. So I, I think that they could get away with playing him. I, I think at this point, if you're Green Bay too, what 
once you get past Raymond, the tackle class completely drops off a cliff. So yeah, there, I know there's been a little bit of buzz about Nicholas Petit Ferrer. Tom Pelissero wrote something today about him sneaking into the first round potentially too. So maybe the Packers go a little bit outside the box with him instead of Raymond. Uh, but I, I think we already went a little bit outside the box with Christian Watson as early as we did. So, yep. Two small school right. super athletes for Green Bay, right? You know, just right. Avengers style athletes. All right. This I think is Jahan Dotson. Yep. Well, so All it's right. so I, these two picks are Jahan Dotson and Kier Elam. Yeah. I guess I guess they probably take Dotson first out of courtesy to Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a great pick for them with Dotson. Not quite right. not Kyrie Kill fast, obviously, but still got plenty of speed slot ability a good catch guy down the field in terms of catch radius catching in traffic things like that i think they would like to move up for jamison williams if they can they traded up what was it this around this time they, they like to move up they get aggressive they move up yeah they, so they traded up for patrick mahomes right that was roughly tw- mid 20s to 10 or 11 right or something like that so they could do it, but if Jamison Williams is going in the top 10, then I, I think it's it's going to be too high for them, right? Yeah. All right. Um, and then I think they're taking Kiiri, and they need a corner. Yeah, yep. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, Bengals need. It's a weird Bengals draft. They, I don't know if they need guards and centers. I mean, they signed Kappa and Ted Karras in free agency. Right. Linderbaum would have been a great pick for them, but he's not here. Um, this is kind of a freedom pick, right? Like this is kind of his best player available. Just do whatever you want with this kind of thing. Louis, so, I mean, Georgia I'll... makes a lot of sense here. Actually, if you're going to go defense, so the the other thing I'd say is Tyler Boyd is entering a contract year. Yeah, they could get they ahead could. of it and take Sky more. They could. I like seeing here too for them as well. I'm of course blanking on their safety. Uh, who they. A tag this Jesse year, Bates. Jesse uh, yeah, Bates. Yeah, I just feel like he's very redundant with Jesse Bates. I think so too. But if they don't feel like the Jesse Bates thing is going in the right direction, right? If they feel like they're not going to sign Jesse Bates long term, that could be okay. a direction they go in. All right. Well, no, but so here's the thing. So we're both saying you pick for a year ahead. Wouldn't you rather have the right wide receiver then and keep Burrow stocked than on defense? I just think Louis seems a better player. Okay. Like a better All right. Player. He's he's a really really good football player. So this pick, I think it's odd nobody's calling. I think this pick's going to have tremendous value on the trade market. Yeah, because you get that fifth year option, right. right? All of that. So if they if we they don't end up trading it, yeah. I know there's a lot of buzz that Nicobe Dean's going to fall out of the first round, but we took Aiden Hutchinson for them and uh, at two because he's the lunch pail guy. Right. Dan Campbell, if he if his persona is backed up with his draft, he's going to want the tape guy. He's going to want the grinder. From what I've heard, N'Kobe Dean is like a playbook savant. Like the guy got the Georgia playbook, which is one of the most complex playbooks in college football, as a true freshman. And he's out there wearing the green dot and directing guys like week one as a true freshman. So that to me, if you're Dan Campbell – yeah, he doesn't have the measurables, but like Dan Campbell's not about that, I don't think. Like I don't right. think he cares. 
ultimately. I think he cares about having the best football players. And, and I think that N'Kobe Dean definitely fits that. They need a linebacker. If they don't end up trading this pick in N'Kobe Dean, which I think is very real that he could still be here at 32, I don't know. I, I just feel like this is a, a really good marriage for that. Like I feel like so, Dan Campbell would love that type of player. Can I give you one more? I like I, That all makes sense. I just have one counter. Yeah. David Ajabo. Because they're not going to be anything this year anyway. They're building for three, four years down the road. If you draft a Jabo now, even though he can't play this year, you get that fifth year back with the option, right? Yeah. Pair him with Hutchinson, another, you know, guy that just loves football, loves the game. That's my pitch. Okay. Do, do they have the balls to do it? And I mean that in all sincerity. Like, did that, do they feel... I think, Do they feel secure enough to I take think, a complete red shirt in the first round? I think Dan – well, so if it was their only pick, I would say no. If it was their only first-round pick, I would say no. They also have, I think, like – they have – yeah, they have the 34th pick. They pick in two picks. Yes. Right? So, yeah, I think all things considered, you know, is Jacksonville going to take Nicky Dean? I don't think so. He's not their kind of player. So they could take David Ojabo here, get that fifth-year troll on him, and then take Nicobe Dean two picks later. I think, yeah. I, I to answer your question. And it's a good question. It's a fair question. I think because they have that 34th pick, they have that comfort. Yeah, I think they could afford to do it. Okay. I, I feel both arguments. I I would be a little bit worried about letting Nicobe Dean get to day two because I Jacksonville, they could trade down a couple spots and, and give yeah, some. Yeah, you're money. right. All right. We go we'll go Dean. That's fine. I, I would say that. Ojabo at 34 would make sell. so much sense. It's a no. good sell. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. All right. So the, one, besides... the, one little, the one little hiccup was Jermaine Johnson. We probably should have had him going a little bit earlier, but it's not. Yeah, that DFF kind of screwed us because we can only look at the players it puts in front of us. It's not that crazy. Uh, it's not that insane. I, I don't think be, I, some of the consensus boards I've seen have had him in that like 15 to 20 range, right? I mean, it's not out of the question. And like we just proved, when you have one pick go a different direction, all of a sudden guys start to move around, right? So I don't know. Uh, I, I I can see that. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that a guy like Jermaine Johnson falls. But that's yeah, our – I mean, here, we can pull it up. One one of these edge guys is going to fall. There's just so much Walker, right. Hutchinson, you know, Thibodeau. We had Thibodeau get to eight. Some people think he's a potential first overall pick. I would put, uh, excuse me, I would put Jordan Davis in that group because yeah. I think he's that explosive of an athlete. Devontae Wyatt, all these guys, George Karloftis, like somebody's going to fall. For us, it was Johnson. Yeah. But somebody, somebody's going to fall. Karloftis fell too. I, in terms of the Patriots at 21, I know a lot of people want a corner. I hear you. I think Daxon Hill or Kyler Gordon could come into the conversation if they were able to trade out of that pick. If we had them trade out of 21 because Jermaine Johnson wasn't there, right, and, and it was the right. rest of the guys that were there, then I think they go end up going DB with that pick. But they're a DB in the second round type of team. That's just what they do, right? Outside of Devin yeah. McCourty, that's what they do. Uh, from everything that you hear about the Patriots, and I get that this time of year – I treat everything with the Patriots as a giant grain of salt. Like there's no real solid information coming out of there, but yeah. getting somebody close to the ball 
getting someone in the trenches or or closer to the line of scrimmage, I, I think is what they're ultimately thinking, whether it's offensive line or defensive line. We end up going defensive line with a guy like Jermaine Johnson or edge defender, whatever you want to call it. So right. I think that they would ulti- are ultimately leaning towards trenches here with this pick. I, I don't – if they get a I DB, agree. I think it's going to be trading out. I think they'll trade out of the pick, move into the back end of the first round or the early second round and and get their Daxon Hill or get their Kyler Gordon or get somebody like that there. I think we've seen it the last couple of years, right? 2018 was – or no, really 2019 – the last couple of years, they've taken a, a skill position guy early, whether it was Mack, whether it was Nikhil Harry, they traded out 19, and then they take edge guys on day two, right? Yeah. Uche, Jennings, Winovich, Perkins. Yeah. I think it's flipped this year. I think they're going to get the offensive, it's going to be offensive or defensive. I think it'd take a lineman on day one. Yeah. And then you'll get your corner, your wide receiver on day two. I think that's what it's going to look like. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I think that's what it's going to look like. I think the problem is, in unless a guy like Trent McDuffie falls to them at 21, which maybe they would have that conversation. You put out the the metrics today, Alex, about Clemson, right? The fact that they've never yeah. drafted anybody from Clemson. That's more of a zone based scheme. Andrew Boot Jr. has only got 15 games of tape. He's got some injuries coming into the draft. He just doesn't feel like a Patriot prospect in the first round. And I love his tape, but he just doesn't feel like a Patriot type of guy. The school, the lack of tape, all of it. And I think that they like the value of that second round defensive back. I know it's not worked out for them in the past, but I think they'll look at a guy like Andrew Boot Jr. and say, we're in a similar, maybe even the same exact cluster as Kyler Gordon, Keir Elam, Daxton Hill. Like, I think they're going to look at those players as pretty much comparable across the board. So taking one at 21, I think it's going to be a little early for them. Uh, Jermaine Johnson falling to them, I think, is you just got opposite of Matthew Judon, a plug-and-play player that's going to be an edge defender in the Kyle Van Noy mold for a very long time. Like, that's a really, really solid pick for them if it works out that way. And like we just played this game, it very well could. Like, it's not that outlandish. And I wanted to pull out the consensus board here, Alex. Uh, Jermaine Johnson on the consensus board we've used the most is higher than this, right? He's he's in, like, right. the 10 to 15 range. But some of the more recent ones that I've seen come out, um, like Marcus Mosier does one, The Athletic does one, it's a little bit higher. That uh, Jermaine Johnson more in, like, that 15 to 20 range. Yeah. And the other thing, too, I mean, this is what we've talked about. How many guys do teams reach for? We got right. three. Kenny Pickett, Traylon Burks, Malik Willis. Those are the three guys who realistically aren't expected to go ahead of the Patriots. You could maybe throw Chris Olave in there. That's four. So if we're saying Johnson's ceiling is or floor is 12 to 15, and then those four guys go ahead of him, well, now you're in business. And that's yeah, kind of so, how this works. So Marcus Mosier has Jermaine Johnson at 17 on his consensus okay. board. So we're talking about four spots, right? So a couple right. of things happen Which a little again, bit differently. And here four we are. spots. And that's, I'm guessing that's not like a mock drafting. That's just ranking talent. Yes. Right? Big so board. four spots, Pickett, Burks, Willis. There's three. And then if you want to call it a lot, if you want to say Alave, McDuffie, whoever, there's your four. Right. That's how it works. Um, 
Can we go over those college numbers real quick? I'm just curious. What you, like, I want your thoughts on these. Yeah. Go ahead. So this is something I did earlier today. In 20 plus years, there's eight power five schools Bill Belichick is not drafted from. Clemson, Duke, Indiana, Kansas, Kansas State, Oregon State, Utah, Washington State. You got some hit or miss programs in there. You got some, I mean, Kansas is Kansas. They're not very good. Indiana's not very good. Duke's not very good. Oregon State, Utah kind of come and go. Clemson stands out. Yeah. Is it just because he knows that Dabo's a tool? Like I that it's interesting. Clemson's very different. Right. Most of those other schools are in and out bowl eligible. Clemson, at least for the last 10 years, has been a title contender. So defensively, when I look at or think about Clemson and under Dabo, I I automatically think of, of Brent Venables, who's now the head coach of Oklahoma, yeah. right? Like he's he's their defensive mastermind or was for the better part of this last decade. Venables is known for being one of the more exotic defensive play callers at any level of football. We're talking fire zone, sim pressures. I mean, you throw the kitchen sink of scheme at all these different quarterbacks, right? And you just are blitzing guys from all over the place. Your coverage rotations are extremely exotic. And I think that they might look at that defensive scheme and not see a ton of translation into the Patriots scheme and what they do. It's more zone-based, like I said, more blitz zone, I would say, than anything to do with man. And a lot of it is Venables counting on the fact that college quarterbacks are raw processors and just don't see the field well. And he knows right. if he all of a sudden starts throwing weird blitzes and guys coming from different angles and stuff like that, that he's going to catch a lot of these young kids off guard. And, and it's worked for them, obviously, to a, a big degree. But I think when you look at the Patriots – Believe it or not, and I think a lot of people look at it and say, oh, Bill Belichick's always cooking up things in the lab and stuff. The Patriots, from a coverage standpoint, their system is pretty basic. It's standard. It's cover one. It's man uh, zone match cover three. It's pretty standard stuff. But they It's just get predicated on talent. The success they, is based on talent, not scheme. And it's all, a lot of it's also predicated on everybody understanding their piece of the puzzle and doing their job to such a high level. And they coach these things so well uh, that they're able to do that. But you talk to a lot of coaches around the league and and you hear a lot of people say, you know, the Patriots, their coverage system is not that exotic. It's not that crazy. It's pretty much standard post safety, whether it's man or zone. So I think they look at Clemson and they see a lot of bells and whistles. and, And I think they get a little bit outside of it. Clemson's offense is kind of a mess like their offensive scheme is kind of all over the place and doesn't really have any rhyme or reason to it yeah. so i think they also look at the i think it's a system thing i think they look at the schemes and they say we we just don't really see a lot of patriot football out of these things and, and i think that that does have some concerns for them so here's the other interesting one and when i was going through this so this is in the last 10 years if you go through the last 10 years and there are some notable prospects from these schools and we're going to count Notre Dame. It's 28. Bill hasn't count hasn't picked from in the last 10 years. 29, yeah. power five, if you count Notre Dame. So, again, some of these, like Syracuse, Minnesota, a boy Mafe, I guess, is like an upper-tier prospect. But right. Penn State, a lot of good players in this draft from Penn State. Yeah. Um, Kentucky, a lot of good players in this class from Kentucky. I know they've brought in UDFAs, Evan. They haven't drafted a player from Washington in over 10 years. So if you're looking at McDuffie, 
if you're yeah. so who are the top corners in who are the top corners in this draft, right? McDuffie, they haven't drafted a Washington guy in 10 years. Booth, yeah, they haven't drafted a Clemson guy. Kyler Gordon, again, Washington. Um, yeah. a lot of good Kentucky players. Tennessee. I know you like Velas Jones. Yeah. Tennessee. They haven't taken a Tennessee player in 10 years. BC, UNC, Michigan State. There's some interesting Michigan State players. A really good Baylor draft. Um, Oklahoma State, USC, Texas A&M, Virginia, Cal, Pittsburgh. The big one They're- there out of that list in this particular draft that really stands out to me is Penn State because yeah. they are loaded with players in this draft at areas of need for the Patriots that actually check a lot of Patriots boxes like Jahan Dotson at wide receiver, uh, BK on the edge, uh, Rashid Walker at tackle, Brandon Smith at linebacker, like these Juwan guys, Brisker. All, uh, Juwan Brisker, thank you at safety. Those guys all play like Patriots. Like they all have right. Patriots traits. They all look like Patriots. And if they had Alabama on their Jersey instead of Penn state, we would all be talking about Jahan Dotson like we're talking about John Mechie. Like, it's really that simple. And I think that a lot of those guys, you know, even like a guy like Jesse Lucetta later on in the draft is somebody that I think plays a lot like a Patriot. So I'm very interested to see how they approach Penn State. Brandon Smith, that linebacker, extremely athletic, six foot three, 250 pounds. Like, in terms of checking their size thresholds and bringing some athleticism to the second level. He checks every single box for them, but he's a Penn state right. guy. So, so we'll see what happens. So, and then I'll give, I'll give you one more set of numbers here. Cause we're running long. We'll wrap this up, but yeah, the schools they draft the most from. So since 2000, it's actually not Alabama. Alabama's tied for second since 2000. Yeah. They've drafted nine players from Florida. Most of those are pre 2012. Right. So that's a little skewed. Then Alabama, Michigan, eight, Georgia, Arkansas, seven. If we want to just do the last decade, Alabama, seven, Arkansas, Michigan, five, Rutgers, four. And then there's a bunch of schools with three. So I, to me, like a lot of the draft is looking at trends. I, we, we've talked a lot about yeah. this on the show. They, they like to make more than eight picks. They've only taken three linemen in the top 100 in the last 10 years. This is kind and look, the trends are true until they break them. Right? right. We, I was sitting here pounding the table that Ramondre Stevenson was going to redshirt because that's what history told us entirely. And then it didn't happen. But a lot of the draft is simply looking at trends. And that's, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this. I know I kind of shoved it into the end of this mock draft show, but no, um, this is, it, it does kind of relate to some of what we're talking about today. And this is the kind of things, if you want to like kind of know what to expect for the draft, these are the kind of things to keep in mind. When it's the same guy picking the groceries for 20 plus years, it get, it becomes right. a lot easier to look at trends and look at things that Bill Belichick has done in the past. And when you look at their past, I think the number one thing that I look at with this 21st pick as we sit out here uh, two days before the draft is trenches. Like it just feels like yeah. that was where they would go with this type of pick. But picking again, a so corner, picking a wide receiver. And, and I really do think the Patriots, when they think about it, as archaic as it might sound to some people, they think about guys who are closest to the football, right? When they make a pick in the top 25 picks or the top 21 picks, a premium first round draft pick like they have on Thursday night, they want that guy to be involved in the action as much as possible. And that's why they've drafted linemen there. They've drafted linebackers. They've drafted a quarterback now with Mac Jones and they don't, necessarily go with dbs and they don't draft the wide receivers this high because those guys for 90 percent of the game are not involved as much as some of these other players are so uh, it does 
feels like trenches. Now, I think the one caveat that I would give to that, everybody, uh, whether it's you know experts in the draft field or insiders talking about they need more explosive players, they need more weapons, right? So, yeah, if a guy like a Chris Olave or Jamison Williams or Garrett Wilson or someone like that is miraculously makes it to them at 21, is that completely off the board? No, absolutely not. But if it is, if it's not, doesn't break that way, I, I think that you have to look for guys closer to the football, as, as close as so, you can get, whether it's in the trenches or linebacker. So let, let's let's before we wrap this up here, because yeah. I this is a really good conversation. I have questions for you. Um, so I've I've thrown this number out a number of times. Seventeen of the twenty-two drafts, they've taken at least one lineman. Fourteen of the twenty-two, multiple linemen. There's actually yeah. a weird gap where they don't take any linemen in 2012 or 2013. It's the only time they've gone back-to-back years without taking a lineman. But in the last 10 years, here's the lineman they've taken in the top 100. They took Joe Tooney in the third round, 78th overall in 2016. Yep. They took Antonio Garcia in the third round, 85th overall. He was their top pick. They only had four picks that year. And then they took Isaiah Wynn the next year, 123. Isaiah Wynn, it seems relatively easy to explain. They drafted Antonio Garcia in the third round to be their starting tackle. He got sick. He fell out of football. They were desperate. And they took Isaiah Wynn. Because, again, they like to stay ahead at left tackle. And they tried, and it didn't work. Besides that, Tooney's their highest pick at 78. Yeah. Why haven't they drafted an offensive lineman in the top 100 in the last 10 years? And why is this year different? Would be my question. And don't say you, you're not allowed to say because Dante Scarnecchi is not here. Why am I not allowed to he, say that? Because he retired in the middle of that stretch. He retired. And he also in the hasn't been here stretch. the last two years. But the, in my mind, they had more prepared guys to coach that position in those spots. Like, uh, so you can say overall the coaching staff. You can't yeah, just I think say Dante overall Scarnecchia. the coaching staff is a big one because when he first retired, Dante Scarnecchia, they had Googs in the building, right? Uh, Dave Googs, the right. delivery, I can't say. I'm going to call him Googs, right? Okay. They had Googs in the building. It didn't work out long-term with Googs, but he was a really – he's a good offensive line coach. He's still coaching offensive line in the league now. He's one yep. of the better ones. Then you had the Cole Popovich, Carmen Brasello brain trust post-Scarnecchia that was basically – and they still run Dante Scarnecchia's system now – uh, but they were just fresh off of learning under Dante Scarnecchia. Now, right. wh- I, who's coaching offensive line? Matt Patricia? Is it Billy Yates? Billy Yates, I guess, is probably the the. Let's cross. It's kind of like Troy Brown versus yeah. Joe Judge, right? Let's hope it's Billy Yates, right? right? Okay. So, uh, it, it, if it's Billy Yates, I feel a little bit better about it. Again, they're still going to run Scar's system. They're still going to consult with Dante Scarnecchia, but I don't think that there is as automatic of a feeling that you can take Mike Onwenu in the sixth round and turn him into a, a diamond, right? I, I don't know if there's that automatic. Now, the pro, the pause that I, all, I keep having with tackle is I don't know if Trevor Penning's there. Like, I, I, don't, I don't mean there at 21. I mean, developmental-wise, in terms of his technique and, his, and, and all that kind of stuff, he needs coaching. Like, he needs coaching, right. he, and he needs to get good coaching to get the most out of him. He's got to control his aggression. He's got to limit the penalties. He's got to work on some things technique-wise in his pass sets. He's not a home run thing. You also look at Bernard Raymond. He's only made 18 starts in his entire life at offensive line. So he needs seasoning. He needs coaching. So do any of those guys 
to me, don't you know? I don't know if handing those guys off to Billy Yates and Matt Patricia is really going to be the best thing in the world for those players. So that that gives me a ton of pause with those two tackles. And they're going to go offensive line. And as much as I hate it, the best thing for their coaching staff is probably to take a guy like Zion Johnson who they don't have to touch. Right? You just put in that left right. guard. You don't have to touch him, and it's over. Penning, it worries me at 21. Do they have the coaching staff and the infrastructure to coach Penning up? I don't know. I'll give you one more one here. And this is why I'm I'm suddenly kind of out on Penning. This is first round pick, not first overall pick. This doesn't count. They take a guy in the second round or the first round pick. Yeah. First round picks under Bill, Georgia four times, Alabama twice, Colorado twice, Miami twice, Arizona State. Florida, Fresno State, Minnesota, Rutgers, Syracuse, Tennessee, Texas, Texas A&M. Those outside of Fresno State, those are all Power 5 schools. Fresno State, the year they took Mankins, was a wagon. They finished 9-3, and three, and they played, a, I believe, I have the schedule right here, a handful of Power 5 teams during that season, including yeah. in their bowl game. They finished ranked. They were a, a real team. Um, yeah, they played Washington. They beat them. They played 13th-ranked Kansas State. They beat them. Uh, they lost to – and then they they beat – sorry, they beat Virginia in the bowl game. So they went 3-0 against Power 5 teams that year. Northern Iowa is a good FCS program. It's yeah. a long way from Fresno State, and Fresno State's a long from what they usually do in the first round. So, yeah. again, trends are only true until they break them. But not just – again, not just Power 5 schools. Georgia four times. Alabama twice. Miami twice when Miami was a wagon. Miami twice like when Miami was good. Colorado twice when Colorado was good. Florida, Tennessee, SEC, Texas, Blue Blood, Texas A&M, SEC. Although that might have been a Big 12 pick um, when they made it. It was because that was um, um, Ty Warren. But that's the point. Trevor Penning, for a number of reasons, as much as we think it makes sense, for a number of reasons, is a massive departure from the way they've drafted historically. So the last name I want to talk about here, you mentioned Georgia a few times. We haven't talked a ton about Georgia. Phil Perry tweeted this out yesterday, I think it was. Quay Walker to the Patriots. I don't think 21 is going to happen. I think they could probably trade down and still get Quay Walker, and maybe that's a scenario they look at. But I think they're going to really like anybody from Georgia, and I think Quay Walker in terms of where they're going to be at and the fact that Jordan Davis probably isn't going to be there at 21 uh, probably makes the most sense out of that program. We, we've talked about this a lot. We, you have you have to look at this and think, oh, you have to get somebody off that Georgia defense, right? Like whether yeah. it's Quay Walker, it's N'Kobe Dean, it's Channing Tindall, it's Jordan Davis, Lewis, well, whoever. Like you got to come Bill away talked with about this. that Georgia defense. When, when Richard Seymour got inducted in the Patriots Hall of Fame, th- and that was the last time Georgia was this good was when Seymour was yeah. there. And they had, a, I, I can't think of any names off the top of my head, but they had like NFL Hall of Famers across that defense. Yeah. Bill talked about watching that defense and said, we've got to get a guy from this team. It was ultimately Seymour, but they they do, he has operated that way in the past. Yeah. So I, I do wonder, Phil Perry, he threw it out there yesterday. He doesn't usually just throw things out there just for the sake of it. Maybe Quay Walker is the guy they're looking at the top of the draft too. So we just basically covered all of our bases, just in case they do just about anything on Thursday night. So that's the that's the way we do it here, right? We just cast as well, wide. It's not about predicting; it's just about it's fun getting the names out there. It's how many names can you know? By right. the way, that um, 
I don't know why none of the defensive players are showing up. I, I was about to read it off. They did have Quincy Carter and Patrick Pass, though, on that Georgia team. Yeah. Also, I didn't mention Devontae Wyatt in the first round, and and I'm not saying that there's anything going on with him off the field or anything like that that I know of, but I, I didn't mention him as a first-round guy because I, I, I didn't mention him as a first-round guy. I Devontae Wyatt, I, I don't know enough information. I'm not speculating. It's not a Christian Barmore situation. I don't want to put that, that out there, but there is some reason league-wide that Devontae Wyatt is falling out of the first round. I don't think it has anything to do with off-field. I think it's more about on-field stuff potentially but whatever it is it that's how it feels is that he's not going to be there so i think it's going to be an interesting thing to look at like you said their trends suggest closer to the football is probably where they're going i don't know if that's no the trend doesn't suggest well not on offense it doesn't suggest that well it's it suggests that i mean close to the football i mean they're not going to go wide receiver they're going to go if they're going to draft an offense it's going to be an offensive lineman so I earlier overall, if they're going to draft a player on offense in the first round, I think it's going to be an offensive lineman. That's so that's what if I told you in the last 10 years, they've taken as many wide receivers in the top 100 as they have offensive linemen. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's a different day and age on that, in that room. I do. I'm just saying in the, that's the trend in the last 10 years. They really, it's just been defense. They just take defense in the first round. They don't take offensive players in the first round. Yeah. That's what the trend tells us. Well, we'll see. Uh, I, we, we go, look, are, I, 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 I could keep going through the spreadsheets. They, they've been linked to offensive linemen in meetings and pre-draft uh, scouting and stuff like that all off season. So maybe there's too much smoke around offensive linemen at this point. I don't know. Right? I mean, we're, we can talk about well, no, this is about this. Again, so this is the game. This is kind of how a lot of how I prepare for the draft. Now I look at the draft. I go through and look at historically what have they done, what have they not done, and then you put the caveat on everything. The trend's true until it's broken, and then once it's broken, you try to figure out why they broke it, right? We did that with yeah. Nikhil Harry. Well, they never took a wide receiver. Why now? Why him? I, I From what you're saying, and I don't entirely disagree, this could be the year that the trend is broken. This could be the yeah. year that they do something that's completely out of character. That's what last year was. That's what Mac Jones was. Yeah, we'll see. I have some quarterback trends too, but we're at an hour and a half. We're, we're not doing quarterback trends. This is going to be a lot of fun. Alex and I will be back uh, between now and Thursday, maybe Thursday morning or tomorrow night yeah. uh, to do one last show before the draft on Thursday night. Uh, Alex will have coverage all weekend long on the draft on 98.5, as well as Patriot Speed episodes the next morning after each day of the draft. So we'll recap the first round on Friday, then we'll recap the second and third rounds, day two of the draft on Saturday, and so on and so forth. And uh, we'll also have live coverage here on Patriots Press Pass uh, while the Patriots are making the pick. I'll react to it live on air right here on Patriots Press Pass as well. So a lot of coverage here on Patriots Press Pass, a lot of uh, Alex and I over the next week or so, which will be fun. And we uh, we love this. This is our time of year. We're very excited uh, to do these shows again with you guys. So uh, like I said, after the day after each round, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we will have podcasts all weekend long, recapping what the Patriots do in the draft. And Alex and I will uh, see how right we were, but most importantly, we'll uh, just talk about who they picked. So it's going to be a good time. So keep it right here on Patriots Press Pass. And uh, we'll see you guys starting on Thursday. It's go time. As Mac Jones likes to say, Alex, the hate is in the barn. 
and it's time Amazing to go. In the barn. So, well, not quite yet. I still got like eight players I got to look at on my list, and then I'll be done with my list. But it's almost in the barn. Yeah, the hay is – there's one more stack of hay for Alex out there in the field that he's got to bring into the barn. But we're very, very close. And like I said, we'll see you guys on Thursday. So thanks so much for tuning into this first-round mock draft show. Uh, we wanted to get this one in there. It was a lot of fun, and uh, it's not something that I do regularly with the first round. So it's good to see how things shake out ahead of the Patriots. And uh, then, like I said, we'll see you guys on Thursday. So two more days till the draft. And thanks so much for watching all of our preview coverage and all these preview podcasts here on Patriots Beat. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys Thursday.